0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. I'd like to join the other brethren in welcoming everybody here this morning. appreciate that you made the opportunity to come and worship God with us. And thank you, Pat, for the prayers on my behalf. And it's my prayer that the things we study will be in strict accordance to God's Word. And also it will be useful to you and beneficial as we continue our Christian walk together. For a little while this morning, I want to talk about, uh, as Christians, uh, being a disciple of Christ. So as Christians, and and when we obey the gospel and baptism, we're called to be disciples of Christ. And sometimes when when I was younger I would forget what a lot of these words are that we don't quite use in everyday language. So you've got disciples and Jews and apostles and Gentiles and proselytes and all these different titles and different words of things. And so I want to be clear on what a disciple is. A disciple is a pupil, a learner, a student, or a follower. So we're going to talk about this morning how to be that, how to be a disciple of Christ. So in this study, we're going to look at what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And we're going to look at how we can grow in Him as we continue our Christian walk together. So if we look at, as Christians, all Christians should be disciples. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, Jesus gives us the Great Commission here. And He says, Therefore go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. Whatever I commanded you, and behold, I am with you all the days until the end of the world. Amen. So this is Jesus telling the apostles after he was resurrected, the Great Commission, go and teach all nations. When you look up that word teach, it's the Strong's number 3100, and that's matheteo. And what that means is to be a disciple of one, to follow his precepts and instructions. It also means to make a disciple, to teach or to instruct. So what Jesus was telling us here in the Great Commission is He's teaching us to go teach all nations, go make all nations disciples. Make them all disciples and teach them and instruct them to follow the commandments that that they've given us. So we go teach them, we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we make them a Christian, we make them a disciple, and then also we teach them to observe all things that, that He's commanded. So this is discipling. This is for us to go out and spread the gospel and to teach other nations, to follow after him and to be a student of His. In Second Timothy chapter two, verse one and two, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He tells him, "Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses commit the same to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So here we can see our purpose as disciples. What Paul is writing here is Paul saying, Timothy, you go, you've learned these things from me. You go learn it and learn it yourself. And then commit those to faithful men. So go teach those to other faithful men, who's also going to be able to teach those to other people. So we can see how this perpetuates. We can see how becoming a Christian and how being a disciple continues to grow and continues to spread. So Timothy learned from Paul. Timothy was supposed to, to pass that on to other faithful men. And those faithful men were supposed to go teach others also. So this is how it works. This is how we're supposed to uh, study to train ourselves to be a better disciple so that we can go make more disciples and we can go grow the kingdom of God. We have an example of this where we can see it played out in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 14, verse 19 through 23. Beginning in verse 19, it says, And Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, who having persuaded the people... And having stoned Paul, they drew him out of the city, supposing him to have died. But the disciples surrounding him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. and preaching the gospel to that city, and having made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and calling on them to continue in the faith that through much tribulation we must enter into the kingdom of God. And having handpicked elders for them in every church and had prayed with fastings, they commended them to the Lord and to whom they had believed. When you look at this example we have, so you see that Paul went up and he went to Derby and he preached the gospel to that city. So Paul learned the gospel and then he went to teach, the other, to teach that gospel to the people in Derby. And it says there that he made many disciples there in verse 21. He made many disciples in Derby. And then it says that he returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And then in verse 22, it says that they confirmed the souls of the disciples. When you look up that word confirmed, what that really means is to strengthen or support. So after they became a disciple, an initial follower of Jesus, they continued to support them and to strengthen them, to grow them up. Remember in the Great Commission, Jesus taught us to baptize them and then teach them to observe all the things that, they, that he's commanded. That's what they were doing. They were teaching them to observe all the things they commanded. And then you continue on. So, so you have them where they made disciples. And then in verse 23, then it says, and they handpicked elders for them for every church. Now, what's the role of an elder? Well, an elder is an overseer. It's someone who shepherds the flock. It's someone who continues to grow, go out and bring other people into the kingdom and grow that kingdom uh, and help the people that they're overseeing to grow in spirit and in truth. So if you can see this example we have, you have Paul goes to Derby and he makes disciples there. Those disciples continue to grow and then they go and handpick elders. And then the elders go and they continue to grow the kingdom. So you can see how this continues to grow the, the kingdom, all being disciples and followers of Christ. So we know that all Christians should be disciples, but what does that really mean? How can you truly be a disciple of Christ? Well, the first thing that you need to to understand is being a disciple of Christ means putting Christ first. Luke chapter 14 verse 26 through 33 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he might have enough to finish it? Lest perhaps, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all those seeing begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not first sit down and consult whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So, then every one of you who does not forsake all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So, what Jesus is teaching us here is that you must put Jesus first. When you look at that in verse 26, Jesus says, If any comes to hell and does not hate all these other people. Now, I want to be clear on that word hate. When you really look that word up, all it really means is to love less. It's not hate as typically we would use the word hate today. But it just means to love less. So what Jesus is telling us is he's number one in priority. So we love him above everything else. Above other people, above our possessions, above everything. He also compares that to being his disciple as making sure we're able to finish the job. If you look at that in verse 28, it says, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down and count the cost? When you become a disciple, you, you understand that you're putting Him first, meaning that we have to forsake some of the worldly things we want to go after. That He is first. We count the cost. And it's worth it. That when we keep Jesus first, we know that it's worth it. And we know why we're doing that. So Jesus tells us that if we're going to be His disciple, that we're going to have to put Him first. He has to be the first and foremost in our life in all things. If we look over at Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 38, it says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Jesus tells us here that the most important commandment that we have is to love God and love Him with everything that we've got. So He is the first in our life. All the other commandments that we have and all the other principles that we have that we're supposed to follow, all hang upon this first <coughs> principle of love. You must love God with all your being. And this is a totally consuming love that we put in our life. It's everything that we've got, as He is the first and foremost. Jesus also tells us that if we're going to be His disciple and put Christ first, that also means putting the kingdom first. He teaches us that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, "...but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you look at the surrounding verses, He talks about why are we worrying about the food and clothes and all these worldly things that we need. God knows what we need. And He wants us to put the kingdom first. Now we know the kingdom is the church. We know the kingdom is your fellow brothers and sisters. It's the family that we have through Christ. So Jesus tells us that if we're going to be a disciple of His, we put Christ first and we put the kingdom first. So I want to ask yourself a question. Just ask ask this to yourself. What have you done lately to show that you're putting Christ first in your life? Or that you're putting the kingdom first in your life? Or do we need to make some changes? Do we need to be that true disciple of Christ and make sure that He is ultimate and everything that we do is for Him? So this means that if you're a true disciple, the church, your Christian family, will be very important to you because it's very important to Jesus. And we're we're disciples of his. The second thing we want to look at of how to be a disciple of Christ is to make sure we're imitating Christ. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, it says, A disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he is like his master, and the servant like his Lord. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebub, how much more those of his household? So Jesus is telling us here that if we're going to be a disciple of His, we're going to do what the the Master would do. And of course, the Master is Jesus. That's who we're following. So He made the general observation about this discipleship that even those who are disciples of Satan, that when it talks about the Master of the house of Beelzebub, they do the things of, of Satan. Well, if we're going to be disciples of the house of Christ, then we need to do the things of Christ. So we need to imitate Christ in our life to be a disciple of His. He also teaches us in First Peter that we need to follow after His steps. We need to do the things that He would do. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, For you were not called to this, for Christ also suffered on our behalf, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. We know that Christ came down here as the Son of God to walk among men with us, and He gave us the perfect example of how we should follow after Him, how we should serve God and how we should serve one another. We should follow after His steps. When you look at this, when you look about following after his steps, we can kind of compare it to walking through a minefield. Let's say there's a minefield out there and you're walking through it and the guy that you're following knows exactly where each one of those mines are placed. And you don't know where they're at. You just know there's mines all over the place, but you're following him and you're trusting him to get you through the minefield safely. How, how secure would you be in following after his footsteps? How diligent would you be on making sure you step exactly where he steps every single time? Because if you miss just a little bit off, you might step on a mine. That's what it really means to imitate, imitate Christ as being a disciple of His. It's follow after His footsteps in a way like there's mines all over the place. And we need to follow His footsteps so He can lead us safely through. Another part of imitating Christ means denying ourselves, And instead of doing what we would naturally want to do as humans, we do what Christ wants us to do. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This talks about us coming after Christ or imitating Christ. If we're going to go after him, that we have to deny our own worldly pleasures, the things that we want to go after naturally as humans. Humans, we want to follow sin. We're, we're tempted. We're tried. We want to follow after things that's going to get us off track. And Jesus is telling us, deny yourself. Don't follow after those things. but follow after him do the things that he wants us to do and that is imitating Christ. You know there's many qualities that we can look through the examples that Christ gave us that we can follow after his footsteps. There's many different things that we can talk about of the qualities that we see from his example that we're called to imitate. But one of these things that we're going to key in on this morning is we're going to imitate Christ's love. In 1st John chapter 5 verse 1 through 3, It says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves him who begets also loves him who has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God whenever we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. This teaches us that our love for God must be expressed in our obedience to his will. So if we're going to imitate Christ and we're going to imitate His love, we need to imitate His obedience. You know, Christ was obedient to God when He came down and He walked among men. He didn't sin. He followed after what He wanted to do, what God wanted Him to do. He showed love to everyone. And that's the, the example that we should be following as well, as we show love to everyone that we come across. By doing this, other people out in the world will know that we're disciples of Christ. In John chapter thirteen, verse thirty four and thirty five it says I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You should also love one another. But this but this all shall know that ye are my disciples if ye have loved one if ye have love toward one another. So this love that we have towards one another and helping each other and encouraging one another, this love will show the world the evidence of our discipleship. And by doing so, we'll invite others to want to join the kingdom and be a disciple of Christ as well. Because everybody wants love. Everybody wants to feel a part of a community. They want to feel welcomed. They want to feel encouraged and that they're not alone. That's what everybody wants. And if they can see that in us as disciples of Christ, then they're going to want that for their life as well. So that's one way that we can imitate Christ is by showing the love that Christ has showed us as well. The third way of how we can be a disciple and make sure that we're being a disciple is to make sure that we're continuing in His Word. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who believed on Him, If you continue in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. Jesus taught us that in order to be a disciple, we have to be a student of Him. We have to learn from Him. We have to get into His Word and make sure we're studying it. Can you honestly consider yourself a student of Jesus if you've never sat at his feet and learned from his word? When you look at all the examples that we have in the New Testament, you can see where people would sit at the feet of someone else, and that would show that they're a student of them, that they were learning from them, that they were trying to understand what the the people wanted to teach them. And that's what we're called to do as well as disciples, is learn from Jesus. Remember what a disciple is. It's a student. It's a pupil. It's someone who learns from somebody else. That's what we are as Christians. We're disciples. We're students of Christ. In order to do that, we've got to open up the book and learn from it. And this is not just opening up the Bible and reading as casually reading, but it's actually studying. It's digging and making sure we're searching the things out. We have an example of this with a congregation in Acts chapter 17, verse 10 and 11. Beginning in verse 10, it says, And their brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So we have a comparison here where we have a congregation in this place called Berea versus the congregation in a place called Thessalonica. It says that the Bereans were more noble and more honorable than the ones in Thessalonica and that they did just a couple things. They received the word with all readiness of mind. They listened to what Paul and Silas had to say. They listened to it openly. And then they searched the scriptures. They made sure to dig. And everything that Paul and Silas said, they tested it against the scriptures. If they were true, they applied it to our life. So we as a congregation, we should want to be like the Bereans. In order to be like the Bereans, we have to search the scripture daily. So there's a very real difference between an intense search and digging versus just a careless scan and seeing what what the words might say. It's really digging in there, really understanding what the words say. When we look at God's word, we know that it is packed full of valuable lessons for us as Christians. It's full. Everything that you need is in the word of God. All the answers that lead to life and godliness are in the scriptures that we have. But they're not just going to jump out and magically appear in your mind. You have to go dig them out. They're there for you, but it's our our opportunity to really be that student and really learn and dig into that. Studying diligently uh, the Word of God, and then what we need to do after we study is make sure that we apply it to our life. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, it says, Study earnestly. To present yourself approved to God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and he's encouraging him to study. Get in there and dig, and when you find the answers, apply it to your life. The more you dig, the more skillful you'll be at that, and being able to rightly divide the word of truth, you'll be able to understand what's right and what's wrong. What does God want us to do? What does God want us to stay away from? And all that takes is skill. And you grow skill by practice and repetition, doing it over and over and over. And get help if you need it. One thing that we need to look at is as we grow in being a disciple, that we should study to grow ourselves, but we should also grow in order that we can help other people grow as well. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14, it says, For indeed, because of the time ye ought to be teachers, Ye have need that one teach you again what are the first principles of the oracles of God. And ye have become in need of milk and not of solid food. For everyone partaking of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, even those who, because of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What the writer of Hebrews is teaching us here is he's rebuking them. He's saying at the very first, ye ought to be teachers. You ought to be the ones going out and teaching the rest of the world what they should be following, what they should be doing. But you can't do it. You can't do it because you haven't put in the time and effort to learn it yourself. And that takes time. It takes study and it takes diligent effort to get in and study the Word of God, grow that skill so that you can go out and teach other people. So if you're going to be a disciple, you have to continue in His Word. You have to be a student of His Word and that studying never stops. And it's a diligent effort to continue to grow and to continue to learn. The last way we'll talk about of how to be a disciple is you have to bear fruit. In John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And everyone that bears fruit, He prunes it, so that it may bring forth much fruit, more fruit. Now you are cleaned through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. And this, my Father, is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So Jesus is teaching us here that if we're going to be his disciples, we're going to bear fruit, and that bearing fruit continually is supposed to bear more fruit and more fruit. You can see there early on; it says in verse two. That everyone that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it must bring more fruit. So that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to bear fruit with the intention that we're going to continually bear more and bear more and bear more fruit. That is being a disciple of Christ, is that we bear fruit for him. You know, when you think about fruit, if you look at a fruit tree, what makes a fruit tree a fruit tree? Well, it's the kind of fruit that it produces. And that's the same for us. So what makes you a disciple of Christ? It's about the fruit that you produce for Christ. So you as the branch, as part of Christ and the vine, you must bring forth abundant fruit. And this is what discipleship demands, that we are part of Christ and we're called to bear fruit for Him. So when we think about bearing fruit, there's different kinds of fruits that we're called to bear, that we're called to give and to shine for Him. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, <coughs> meekness, self-control, against such there is no law. So here Paul is writing to the church of Galatia and he's telling them what the fruits of the spirits are. And we've seen this plenty of times. So some of the fruits that we, we are to produce are everyday things that we're just supposed to apply to our life. Other people out in the world should be able to see these qualities in our life as fruit for the kingdom. And once again, that's going to want to encourage them to want that same fruit for their life. Who doesn't want love in their life? Who doesn't want kindness or goodness? Who doesn't want peace? These are some of the fruits that we're called to bear in our everyday life. So when we look at bearing fruit, bearing good fruit should produce an outcome. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 through 13, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the eating, may He supply and multiply your seed and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You being enriched in everything and in all generosity which work out thanksgiving to God through us, for the ministry of this service not only supplies the things lacking of the saints, but also multiplying through many thanksgivings to God. Through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for your freely expressed submission to the gospel of Christ, and the generosity of the fellowship toward them and toward all. So in 2 Corinthians, it tells us here when we're bearing fruit for the righteous, that God is going to help increase that fruit. God is going to help us as we continually put in the effort that we will produce fruit for Him, and He'll give the increase. And when when we do that, that's going to give us a few things. You can see that bearing good fruit, there's a few things that it says. Number one, it supplies things lacking for the saints. When you're bearing, thing, you're bearing fruit for your brothers and sisters, it's going to supply whatever they lack. Sometimes your brother and sisters may be struggling. We have some of our brothers and sisters struggling right now. Some of the saints are lacking in things. And it's our opportunity to bear fruit to help supply whatever they're lacking and to help them grow. The second thing it does is it multiplies the growth of the kingdom. So once again, it's going to go out to the world and people are going to see this love that we have for another. They're going to see the fruits that we produce as disciples of Christ. And they're going to want to grow into the kingdom of that as well. And number three, it gives all glory to God so that other people will glorify God as well. So bearing fruit does these three things. Supplies the lack of the saints, multiplies the growth of the kingdom, and it gives glory to God. So as disciples of Christ, we are called to bear fruit and we're called to help grow the kingdom of God. So if you look at what we've learned this morning, being a disciple of Christ is, number one, all Christians should be disciples. Just being a Christian alone does not make you a disciple, as we've learned. There's things that you have to do to be a disciple. Number two is being a disciple is to put Christ first. He has to be number one in your life. Number three, being a disciple means to imitate Christ, follow after His footsteps do the things that he would have you to do number four being a disciple means to continue in his word to learn to study diligently and apply it to your life and that's never ending and number five being a disciple means to bear fruit for hell and for the kingdom so this is what it means to be a disciple of christ so one question that we haven't addressed so far this morning is we know what being a disciple is we know how to be a disciple But now I want to answer the question, why? Why should we as Christians want to be a disciple of Christ? Well, the easy answer is because that's what what Christ demands of us. And anytime Christ tells us to do something, that should be reason enough. But if it's not, let's look a little bit further. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation, Unto all them that obey him, the writer of Hebrews is telling us that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. Jesus wrote the book about how we should be saved. He gave us the steps of how we should follow, so we can have eternal salvation. And all we got to do is obey him and follow after him. So the reason why we should be a disciple and why we should want to continually grow, and continually learn, continually bear fruits, and be a that disciple of Christ. Is so that we can have that salvation, not only for ourselves, but we can also share that salvation with all those that are around us. So we should continually want to be a disciple of Christ so that we can have this salvation. The first step in becoming a disciple of Christ is really to give your life to Christ in baptism, to crucify that old man and rise up a new man in Christ. And then that starts your walk with Him. That starts being a disciple with Christ. And if you haven't done that this morning, I would, encu- I would encourage you to take that step. If you haven't followed after Christ and submitted to Him under baptism, then it's time to make that decision so you can have that hope of eternal salvation someday. If you have already taken that first step, now it's time to examine our lives. Let's think about it. Are we really being that disciple that we're called to be, or are we just wearing the label of Christian because we believe in God? You know, there's a lot of people who believe in God, and there's a lot of people who believe in Christ. That doesn't make them a disciple. And and what we need to be looking at this morning is, are we being a disciple of Christ? Are we fulfilling our responsibility? If you're not, then it's time to make some changes. And the good thing is that you're not alone. You have a lot of help in this room. You have a lot of brothers and sisters who love you and care for you, and they want to see you grow. And we want to grow together. So if you need the help, if you'd like to obey Christ in baptism and start that walk of discipleship with Him, or you need to grow and get back on track and need the prayers of the church for any reason, all you have to do is kind of have a seat on this front pew while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.